0: All right, Henry, it's uh, good to have you back again. Uh, I noticed you got into a conversation with uh, ALW on Twitter uh, not too long ago. You want to elaborate on that?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, It's great to be back. And um, ours, Cryptotica, episode three, right? Yep, yep. Before I get into that, I just want to say, after that, let's talk about some uh, guests that we have coming on the show over the next few weeks. I think we're at three or four different guests that we have coming on. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, talking about all different things in directions and whatnot. Okay, so ALW. So I've been thinking, you know, in this work that I've been doing with the university system, um, developing uh, art for mental health awareness. We talked about the concept last week. And, um, you know, recently, again, you know, joining another platform, bringing my work and my sensibility to Refinable um you know previously to uptick to rarible and mintable it what you know etc etc I'm, I'm i'm kind of I'm, I'm realizing that and we've touched on this the sort of the immaturity of the space in general as it is now it's it's being set up you know it's being corporatized it's being platformed to be a kind of capitalistic mechanism for buying and selling collectibles or monetizing, you know, uh, real life events through ticket, uh, you know, through tickets uh, as NFT, et cetera. And, you know, I, I, I was having this conversation with the, the university professor, John, who's going to be a guest on the show uh, about how difficult it is at the moment as these platforms are designed to really present. To present. A, a message right an art based message for social justice or for um you know bettering humanity or raising awareness of crisis raising awareness of mental health because the the platforms as they're designed are just very mechanistically about you know like flipping houses like here's the here's this digital nft immaterial you know uh, Image on the blockchain. Here's your digital rights to this image, and now, you know, you hold it and or go sell it. And it's sort of like, bam. There's not really any. Uh, there's no. There's nothing in the mechanism to to further the dialogue, right? You, you just have to depend on your social media as an artist to sort of like be an extension of what you're doing on the platforms. So. The conversation I was having was, uh, was spurred on by, I don't, somebody said, I don't trust it, trust when an artist says, I'm going to donate the proceeds of the sale of my art to a charity, because there's no way of proving that, you know, in the provenance of the works sale, you know, how does the collector know for sure that, 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 collection goes to the charity that was sort of marketed to bring people to the work in the first place and really when i think about you know the history of art and what art has always been you know as this sort of like um guide of guide to transforming culture like slowly over time generally generationally art contributes to radical change in society right um it's sort of always behind cultural revolutions it's always supporting um you know black lives matter it supports it was the civil rights movement uh, you know suffragists uh, whatever it, whatever the crisis of the day is in hot you know in, in, it, i can remember when i was in israel um, in, on a on a border check there was a performance artist putting on a very risky performance of tolerance standing in the face of some uh, Israeli uh, military police at the checkpoint. So Palestinians, it, Palestinian Israelites that live in and around Jerusalem, and really uh, that whole area between Jerusalem and Gaza, it's, it's a whole thing, is, it's very militarized. And, and, you know, they kind of, there's a, there's a, a lot of oppression. And so, in order for you to move around as a Palestinian Israelite, you have to carry with you walking papers. Now, walking papers are, you know, famously a, something, a mechanism of apartheid. It was, you know, something that you saw um, in South Africa where, you know, blacks had to have walking papers, to, you know, to, to move around what was like colonized you know dominant white power society at the time and so this is what's going on in israel and i'm at this checkpoint where i'm able to move freely because you know i'm uh non-arab you know uh, anglo white american male and i'm walking freely while you know the arab palestinians are getting stopped and frisked and you know checked and argued with and prompted and you know and it's like you know they're running the tag on the car to make sure you don't have an outstanding warrant and all you're doing is trying to go buy groceries so all that being said here's this performer standing in the face of these military police and they're telling him to step down and he's not that's his art all right then that's happening in the moment and that is a, a an art of protest and that artist was arrested and that artist went to jail and that artist has a record and that artist will get out of jail and he will do it again because he's protesting injustice right so in that simple uh, gesture mm-hmm. of risk personal risk is a a way in which an individual can contribute to a movement that can contribute to the overcoming of an oppression right and you know this is what happens around the world in the face of dictators this is what happens in our neighborhoods in the face of injustice like racism or you know uh, homophobia or, or transgender phobia, right? You, you're going to have artists doing the things in the moment that are contributing to dialogues about destabilizing the oppressor. And so when you, get, when you look at that, that's the history of art, right? Art has always been that radical. It has always been that concerned with the moment. With the trials and tribulations of the day. And so, most artists in general have a voice that is trying to contribute to the real messages that are needed to be said. And to do that, you know, how does that happen? Well, galleries sort of galvanize the message of the artists that they represent, they organize shows. But they go deeper than the the show as on its face, the surface of the show, the look of the show, the gallery space. It's much more than that because curators, critics, you know, institutions, uh, museums. There, there's a whole network in the analog art world that is all about, in and and, and, and total, complete recognition of the responsibility whoever is managing the art of the moment to the art historical movement over time, right? So we, this space, I believe that the NFT as an immaterial evolution uh, in both the art market and the art as a concept uh, to be collected, can have far more significant value to society and in, in the long run to culture than it, than it is as it is being designed now. So you look at these platforms and they all do the same thing. They allow you to mint a token at at, at whatever cost, uh, depending on uh, which platform you're on or which network, Ethereum or Binance. And they allow you to sell it um, and the collectors will buy it and they will try to resell it. And there's like nothing beyond that. So what I had suggested uh, to ALW was what needs to happen is a platform is designed as an 501c3 nonprofit on the back end you have organizations philanthropic organizations on the collector side you have uh social justice and humanitarian organizations on the uh seller side and when you come, when you work on this platform as an artist, it is essentially what the analog art world is doing, right? You're building art dialogues that are contributing to human history and helping to evolve and change and impregnate culture with a sensibility to, to evolve and change. If we have this platform, you know, just sort of like in design, it, it, it doesn't need to be so much different than what's happening now, only that, the, you know, the, let's, let's say on the back end, before this platform launches, you would already have organized, you know, several uh, hundred different organizations that are willing to participate and accept donations in cryptocurrency, which they all, I mean, most of the, the major ones do now already, uh, you know, probably just Bitcoin or Ethereum. You know I'm sure uh, BNB, but all this could be managed on the back end, whatever the currency they, that they accepted would be something that could be uh, exchanged for. But in the platform design, so you have your you have your organization and then the artist, when they when they go in and they mint their art, right? It's going to be going into a platform where by design, The work that sells will contribute either 50, 75, or 100% of the proceeds to an organization that is either pre-selected by the artist, meaning they have an intention to contribute to, you know, say uh, Greta Thunberg's foundation, or, um, you know, if the the creator doesn't select the organization that 100% of whatever the donation amount is goes to, then on the other side of it, when the buyer comes, when the collector comes they will have a drop-down menu where there is these hundreds of organizations with that, the purchase of that work can contribute to. And you could also have it. So, you know, the creator can select five organizations that they want to donate to. And if they don't, they can open it to the collector to select, say up to five. And then the mechanistically, the donation would be divided equally and all this would, you know, all this would be automated and, and, Now, if you go on Rarible, you can set the percentage of which, you know, you want to receive as a residual, right? So if you buy the work uh, for me on Rarible, I can set it up as 10% residual. If you sell that work again down the road, I'm going to get a kickback of 10% for you selling it again, right? Same thing, same concept. Only here, whatever the percentage is set, and I would say ideologically, the contributor the creator would have to choose no less than 50% contribution to make it meaningful. Okay. And I'm perfectly comfortable with 50, 50 split, but it has to be at least 50 or you could choose 75 or you could choose hundred, right? This is all be built into, you know, that minting application step. And then um, you would also, then whatever the percentage was set at, for donation would be the residual that would have to be donated if it was resold at market. So now you're the, the marketplace becomes fully philanthropic, fully humanitarian. And what are you doing? So the biggest argument right now in NFT is that, you know, it's all speculative. There is no real, um, there is no real proof of value, right? Is Everybody's just hoping that the value that people are buying these things for will, will hold. You know, you could go into, I've gone into to uh, chats, you know, like say for foundation, uh, go on foundation and, and, you know, you look at so many people go in there and they're getting into these drops and they're dropping, you know, they're picking up something for five ether, right? And then. You know, um, two, three months later, short-sighted, of course, we're even thinking about this two or three weeks or two or three months later, all of a sudden they can't resell it. Nobody wants to buy it even for a dollar more than they paid for it because there's no guarantee of value, right, other than reputation. So in the analog art world, you know, intention builds value. In the digital art world so far, there is no space for intention to become tangible right my artistic intention right however well meaning has no mechanism built into any of these platforms to become tangible do you understand what i'm saying like you i can i can have the intention to benefit mankind but there's no way for me to benefit mankind other than to construct this paradigm in my social media world where I'm elaborating on the work that I'm doing, that I'm minting and selling. But beyond that, there's nothing tangible. And that's how we make it tangible. And by making the purchase of an NFT, a process by which half of the sale, 75% or 100 is donated. Now you have a use case. Now you have built in value, right? And in the analog art world, you know, most high-end art right this sort of upper echelon let's say you know of the 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 highest most expensive art that's sold is most a lot of times is sold through auctions to raise money for foundations organizations 501c3s because it then becomes a way for that collection of the artwork to become a write-off for the collector right so they're doing good by 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 donating, uh, helping raise money for an organization, they're gaining the artwork that they want, right? And in the process, they're gaining also uh, relief on the tax burden, uh, which is fine. So th- to me, that's, that's what has to happen. We need an NFT platform. We need an NFT space where uh, the, the traditional uh, uh, sort of intention of art in all throughout art history can manifest and that is to participate in transforming culture and and right now it is only contributing to the existing culture of capitalistic society which is fine you know but it's like i I, it's just like a, a, a target or a walmart you know what i mean Like, yeah, we can can carry on as a consumer culture, but how is that beneficial to humanity? How is that contributing to the art historical narratives that have pushed transformational change throughout history? It won't. It can't, right? And you're not going to get the honest, you know, integrity coming to the space. You're not going to get the great minds of the generation in art, the great talents of the generation in art, right? The people with the great intention aren't going to come to the space because right now it's just Walmart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you mean. And I'm surprised no one's come up with this yet. I just, I have several follow-up questions. Uh, One is, so what, what you have in mind is this, this already exists in the analog world. Would one of those people be, you know, interested in making such a platform or is it, is it too big of a step for them to switch over? Well, to
1: be honest, I don't know, uh, this, this, you know, conversation, like I said, it stemmed from a longer conversation with, with my, uh, psychologist friend yesterday at the university. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, I know for a fact that universities and, you know, what I'm building in the pilot program with St. John Fisher, that, that's something that's going to gain a lot of respect and a lot of, you know, um, expansion at the at the university level. And, you know, institutions like universities typically prefer, in, in a lot of cases, only work with 501c3. And when you're doing work, like most social justice uh, foundations, re- regardless of what their focus is, they're all 501c3. Um, and the reason for that is because there's not a lot of it's all sweat, blood, and tears of intention th- that the work of 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 social justice, you know, activists, anybody who's an activist is typically not getting paid to be an activist. We're not talking about agitators here. We're talking about activists, people who, you know, when they're not at work, are donating their lives to a cause, right? So mm-hmm. there, that's the reason why the majority of groundwork is done by foundations that are non-for-profit because it they they get a uh it's it's designed in such a way that they can operate at the bare minimum of cost and and so that's that's really really important And, and i just know that the university system as i'm working on this pilot program i see a way in which it can work with a platform like the one i'm envisioning that there's a way of networking this of of building sort of a satellite of interest around a platform like this where it doesn't just sit there as an, an economic you know um m- m- machine it is a uh, holistic Organization of networks, all five hundred one c three, all interrelated in the context of doing good work for humanity. It, that's that's yeah. it Will the analog art world it, would they get involved in this? Yeah, but do what? Can I reach the right person? I don't know. I mean, th- th- that effort is begun. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give at least give it my best effort.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe the best angle would be to go to one of the existing platforms and explain what you have in mind. And maybe, you know, it's pretty easy for them to just make a few clicks on their app and have some sort of uh, you know, side program or something. And if, if there's interest then they'll, they'll keep it going. You
1: know what? I, I, I have thought about that and I don't think it's the right approach. The reason I say that is because you're, their primary intention was never this okay so already there's for me there's in principle this is something that w- should start as its own entity with its with its highest level of integrity it would need to be run by people like me or like minded right You got to realize that all of the models that are in place, all of these that are existing now, they're, you know, they're capitalistic by design. The people that are running them. Great. Nothing wrong with it. Right. But it's not they're not if they had this mindset, they would have already done this. So I also don't want to be a subset. Right. Like, you know, a little thing that they do. Like, I I, I just, I I find that in poor taste. I I really feel like this is something that could be built very dynamically and could grow to something very, very important. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: And I wouldn't want it to just be a subset of what they're doing, you know,
0: no, I-, I see what you mean i see what you mean but what, what worries me is it's like asking my mom to like buy bitcoin or something you know there's these different groups we talked before about the analog people and the digital people and i think you know realistically the the mm, the best way to get it done would be to do that Ho- hoping that one of these analog groups or people would suddenly just like learn how to make a website or platform that deals with cryptocurrencies it's just i don't do you think it's unrealistic no, or do you think no? I don't. I, I think
1: there there are plenty of philanthropic-minded uh, millionaires and billionaires in the world uh, who have awareness and interest in crypto. Um, I, I I really think this is as simple as you know finding an investor that understands, and then bringing that investor to people that can execute it on the dev side. Right, and I'm not saying you have to recreate the wheel. I'm not saying that the Refinable Dev team uh, couldn't be the Dev team that then built out the platform. What I'm saying is, I wouldn't want it to be part of Refinable. It would have to have its own identity, and you know, Refinable isn't going to, um, you know, have Refinable and then the subset of Refinable with with its own identity. It's going to be like, okay, click here. And you move over to the left into the philanthropic part of Refinable. No, that, that's, that's not interesting. What it needs to happen is because, again, it needs to be 501c3. You know, how you can't have a company that's, that's for profit be also non-for-profit, right? Because in order for this concept, which is very, very much successful in the analog world, to build out that network of organizations and institutions and universities it would have to be from the ground up 501c3 nonprofit and you know that's that's the only way it's going to happen so it's about finding the investor which i don't think is impossible and then from there bringing it to whatever dev team you know you want i mean because there's certainly no shortage of dev teams that can build out an nft marketplace you know, and it's not like this is that complex. I mean, the, the, the real work is going to be on the backside. You know, it'll be organizational with uh, with bringing in the foundations to take the donations, right? It's really going to be a, you know, quite, uh, t- as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be a very natural and beautiful process. And I think it's going to be a, a, another way of legitimizing the NFT space because then you're going to be able to say to the you know, X, Y, and Z organization. This is what we're doing. And you know, this is it's and it's for them, it's a no-brainer because they're just they're saying, okay, yeah, I'll accept donations and Bitcoin or whatever. And all of a sudden now you have two, three, four hundred organizations that are associated with your NFT platform. All of that brings integrity worldwide. All of that brings in philanthropic interest worldwide. And now, all of a sudden, you have money that can come to the space for the right reasons, not just to flip the house.
0: Yeah. Okay, it's much clearer. I don't know why that didn't come to me before, but you're not asking my mom to do this. You're, uh, you're like going to you go know, after Bill and Melinda Gates and see if they're interested in funding the project. That, that's that's what you mean, right?
1: I mean, abstract, yeah, as somebody like the Bill and Melinda Gates, I mean, even the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I mean, they can accept donations you know, the United Nations accepts donations. And I think all of these organizations would be willing and interested to work with a platform that focused on art that was messaged toward transformative uh, dialogues around the issues of the day. I I genuinely think that needs to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it will. Another thing I was thinking of, you know, like these days, with everything being digital, a lot of the you know collectors or even a, I think a lot of companies they would probably int- be interested in this too they they could you know buy nfts that sort of support causes that they're interested in and then easily put you know a copy of them or like a a thing on their blog or their webpage and spread the message keep the dialogue going i i think it, i think it has a lot of potential
1: it it has a lot of potential also just to your point um you know when i talk about the idea of you know pushing forward pushing forward dialogue there's in society that those dialogues are mostly pushed forward you know at in, at the university level or through organizational meetings at the you know united nations things that that gain sort of the um ethical ground that ha- those happen those that happens all around the world every day with art it it takes a, like very centralized effort, right? You you can't you can't manufacture um transformative energy when it's scattered all over the place. You know what I mean? If there's a thousand individuals with a voice, right? Right now those thousand individuals, as far as I'm just sorry, imagining as NFT artists, those thousand artists are swimming in the open sea. They're, you know, trying to get gain some traction on Rarible amidst a sea of, you know, collectible kitties and and cypherpunks, you know, and, and and that's all fine that those things exist. But if we're going to have transformative potential, it needs to be centralized and it needs to be supported. And it needs, like, so you imagine, like, how come there are no know like in the existing platforms there is no way for an artist there's i I think every artist should within their the context of their profile should be able to have a blog should be able to have a podcast you know all there and all about the messaging and there should be you know like um, meeting rooms within the platform digital meeting rooms right like like you know like a telegram meeting room but within the platform where artists can then organize their thoughts together if you're going to do a drop, right? That is the concept of the drop. Right now the concept of the drop is market the hell out of it and like let's get, you know, people to do an open auction where we sell as many as we can in an hour of the same thing, right? And it's, it's that's all for profit and that's all fine, but that's now you take the drop and not, maybe now you're it's like in the analog world we call it a group show, right? So now the drop is a group show, right? not an individual artist, and that group show could organize the messaging. You could then organize art, you know, the artists that work within the platform can develop this sort of like, you know, multi-pronged approach to, to uh, developing the dialogue. And, and then you can have, like you said, companies and universities and these, they'll support all that work. And, and there's great integrity for them in supporting it. It actually becomes a way in which the corporate world can come to the NFT art world, whereas right now there there's there's no meaning, there's no meaningful wit reason to, you know, what are you gonna, you're you're you know, your your um, Microsoft, what do you care about a cypherpunk? you know what I mean? Like there's just no rationale to invest in the NFT at, as it stands right now, except as a um speculator on the crypto side or if you like so for instance i have brought a lot of my analog world collectors to my nft project they're willing to do it because they've already collected my artwork for you know 20 years and that's fine but you know as as it stands they believe in me they believe in the work they believe in the vision they, they know what I've done. They know how I've contributed in, in the analog world. So that's the people that are buying my work right now. But but I want the work in the NFT space to get to that place that we we just discussed.
0: If, if someone listening to this has ideas, they should send you a message on Twitter? Or what's the best way to get in touch with you? I would
1: email me at artforanarchistnft.com at
0: gmail.com. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes. Cool, cool. Uh, what else came to mind? So in the last couple of episodes, we were talking about what art is. And uh, first, I thought it was storytelling. Then last uh, episode, I, did, I kind of mm, changed my my way of thinking about it. It seems to be something that's evolving. And today you said it, it's more about uh, protesting when you when you said that, I thought about, you know, there's famous pictures of uh, self emulation, the napalm girl. Uh, I can't remember the names of the paintings or the photographers, but, you know, there's a World War II beach photographer. There's some famous scenes. And I totally agree. That's that's uh, ways of getting a dialogue going. But then on the other hand, like over here in Japan, I, I don't uh, go to that many museums. But the last one I went to, there was uh, some exhibition. There's an Italian uh, painter, his name's a bit hard. archimbolo He he does like the vegetable face paintings, and in, in that mm-hmm. in that sense, like is, is that a form of protest, or was he trying to get dialogue going, or was that is that a little bit different? That that sort of you know the traditional classical painters from Europe, some art,
1: well, all art really, most art I should say is in some way, shape, or form in a conversation with the past, right? So, when I say art is protest," i mean i 'm speaking to a particular mode of art, right? All art is not protest, but art as a as a vehicle for change, there is a large category in a large history, an important history within uh of of art affecting change. Art as activism, art in protest of injustice. That, that is a whole very, very important uh, category of art. What it comes down to is intention. So art is all about intention. And art it, it, unto itself is a mode of intention. So what the artist intends is forethought, right? It's built out of their life experience, their life story, their education, you know, their ups and downs, their traumas, their mental health, their, uh, you know, whatever. If you take all of what makes a human, you know, uh, a sensual being, right, that all folds into the intention of the artists as it comes through their art. So you brought up this Italian artist who produces... Paintings of, uh, I, mean, I, I don't know this work, but you're saying it's vegetables turned into people?
0: Yeah, like the nose is an eggplant and they use all these vegetables and it makes a face. The face, like from a distance, looks like a real face, but if you get up close, you can see it's a bunch of like vegetables or f- fruit, right? There's different ones, but, but, or it could be like, you know, uh, maybe like my, some of Michelangelo's paintings. I, when you look at them, they're beautiful, but I don't know if he, Michelangelo had a message in his. In his paintings or
1: well he he surely did i mean because he was able to uh you know be be, represent the pinnacle of the human spirit right as creativity um is essential uh to mankind i mean it's it's the idea you know michelangelo you gotta remember was was painting for the vatican i mean michelangelo was working for god's right-hand man and in that regard how influential has the vatican been on humankind in the last thousands of years how influential was christ on humanity in the context of christ um in relationship to allah uh you know or the brahmin or you know um you have to understand that you you just can't look at a painting and see paint on a canvas you have to look at the the context that it fits into human history right what was michelangelo doing when was he doing it you know how f- far removed from the crusades the christian crusades when you know uh you know people were being lynched because they weren't christian and wouldn't convert right and he, in th- and this is a, a good religion christ was a meaningful prophet you know they all are meaningful prophets there's a context to everything, and so art is at its pinnacle is engaging the the whole moment you 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 have to realize how big every instant of human history has been. All of that happens right now, like you know, I just posted a triptych uh yesterday on refinable that was an emotional reaction to waking up on my birthday, to hearing about a a friend asking me if I would literally take his children for him because his wife was on a ventilator and he was sick as hell. And he's, you know, he's living in, in, uh, in India. And, you know, I'm like, what the hell? I hadn't been paying attention to the news and there's 325,000 new cases from Thursday to Friday of COVID-19 and people, our bodies are piling up in the streets. They're mass Uh, you know, mass, um, what do you call it? Cremations happening. Uh, It's unbelievable, the scene that's that's unfolding. It's apocalyptic, right? So, So am I able to change the COVID positivity rate by making three works of art and posting them on Twitter? No, but am I able to scream from the top of my lungs, from the highest mountain peak, Hey what is going on here because that means something more than just oh well covid is really bad over there the environmental conditions might be perfect for you know the 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 uh positivity rate no the reason why it's going bananas in india right now is because of politics it's because of an ancient caste system that's now outlawed but that has you know, uh, two thirds of the Indian population living in poverty and standards that in the Western world, we can't even fathom. And those people have no access to vaccines, because guess who's getting the vaccines? Well, it's the people. I know the caste system is no longer uh, legal. But guess what? It's like slavery is no longer legal, legal in the United States. But we're still seeing the ramifications of slavery here in 2021. Yeah, right. So, it's 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 not that art is only protest it's that art is always in dialogue with the time and place Mm. right if it's meaningful if it's informative if it's again what what is art let's add some another layer to what is art art is engaging in its time and place necessarily else it isn't art I will say that I will stand behind that, that if you're a young artist right now and you're not thinking about your time and place, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you have to dialogue. You have to be in dialogue with your time and place. You should be paying attention. You should be contributing. You should have intention.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Beyond money.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, I don't have much uh, follow up there, but I, I, in the last week personally, I picked up uh, a digital tablet. I kind of thought I would get into not drawing people, but maybe uh, doing some, some designs for, for uh, the internet. And uh, I I discovered there's another group of people that I wasn't aware of before that are really into the the anime drawing and uh, they're quite talented, but based on, on the, what you just said about art there you know they're in it for the money i i think they're in it for the beauty that it's their hobby they're very interested but the would anime be considered art or
1: um i do i really do consider it a subset of art now the reason why is because it's genuine genuine lineage um in how it it sort of uh evolved out of you know uh historical japanese art i mean there mm-hmm. you know especially I can't think of the creator's name, Totoro. He did a, he was a very famous Japanese. Um, uh, oh, maybe Miyazaki? I yeah, yeah was it is. Name. I think it is. So, you know, I remember when my children were young, my daughter, who just actually graduated with her master's at University of Pittsburgh, I can say probably she was about five, was so enchanted by Totoro. And, you know, that's sort of the seeds of today's anime, which, you know, I think, there's a lot of pros and cons of my, my uh, teenagers now are obsessed with anime. Uh, so interesting that you brought up anime, uh, but the anime that they're watching is kind of reminds me of like pulp fiction and something Quentin Tarantino would write the script for It's, it's extremely fantastical. It's very violent. Um, all of the figures are very sexualized and, you know, even for, being young figures in a an an animation or what we would call historically a cartoon, although i'm glad that they're calling it anime um, be, um only because they're they're bringing uh to it more a uh, real realistic uh figuration uh so animated right animated figures mm-hmm. versus cartoon ish figures so cartoon doesn't really imply um figurative so Anyway, yes, anime has a, a great history and it, it, it evolved out of uh, Japanese art forms, you know, and it, it, it has a particular cultural take that's also, and I've never been to Japan. I know you live in Japan, but I, I know that it's rooted in the sense and sensibility, you know, there. It, it, it absolutely has to be because it's so unique and it does it hasn't evolved out of any place else, you see so Mm -hmm. there's a there's a genuineness to it there's a there's a kind of beautiful centered organic principled uniqueness that is undeniable and in that way you know it's just organic and it, it as as a as a voice as an artistic voice collectively anime speaks um you know is it all about its aesthetics i don't think so i think it really plays on you know the psychology of societal norms and extremes. Like you get, you get these narratives that play off of like myth, a lot of mythology comes to play. Um, a lot of history, sort of uh, reimagining historical events comes to play. You you definitely get a lot of twentieth century uh, um, uh, cinema tropes like cinematic tropes things that you would have seen in movies in the 20th century are getting folded into the anime and mm. you know yeah i i definitely see anime as as a pure art form for sure uh and i also see it as being a like loud bullhorn document of a generation of kids that are so different from my generation you know i mean they're there it, it's the I don't know what they call the generation of kids who are 12, 13, 14 now. Do you?
0: Yeah, I lost track. I don't know. But after after the millennials, right?
1: Yeah, after the millennials. I mean, these kids, think about their lives. Mm. And I don't know what their kids' lives are like in Japan, but I can tell you that they're hyper aware of Everything, violence, sexuality, drugs, death, and, you know, anxiety, mental health, you know, climate crisis, uh, political unrest, racism, sexism, genderism. they uh, my 13 my year old is I don't know how their heads don't explode because they've grown up with social media and, you know, you watch TikTok for an hour and it's like, oh, my God
0: you know yeah, yeah.
1: it so think about what it's like to be a kid that has had limitless access for their entire life to information when i grew up my access to information was sitting in front of a television yeah if i wanted
0: to go to the library right yeah hmm Interesting. Okay. Uh, maybe we should wrap this up pretty soon. At, at the beginning, uh, we didn't have a traditional start, but you you mentioned that there may be some special guests coming on. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Ah, yes. So, uh, uh, two of the university professors um, that I'm working with at St. John Fisher, we're going to have them on to discuss uh, mental health and uh, awareness art Uh, The project itself specifically, and I'm also going to bring to bear in that conversation um, exactly what we were talking about today and fundamentally how important it is that we find a way to develop an NFT platform that is more traditionally aligned with art historical precedents, Um, where you have networks of organizations supporting the concepts Supporting the artists and supporting the missions, uh, you know, all with great intention. Uh, so that'll be that focus in that, and that uh, conversation. And then um, I'm waiting to hear the date, but one of the maybe next week, actually, the, co- the co-founder Nicholas Chan of uh, Refinable is going to come on and talk about Refinable, talk about the NFT market, uh, his platform, his vision etc so we'll have uh nicholas chan on um there is a an activist um for uh women's rights and uh black lives matters a lot very very deeply rooted in uh, a lot of different movements in the united states for uh for You know, positive change for black and brown bodies, uh, uh, oppressed uh, black and brown bodies. The issues of the day, you know, she's she's brilliant, uh, well-connected, just activist who has her own 501c3. She runs a great organization. We're going to talk about her organization. I have been put on shows with her. Uh, in support of Black Lives Matter. Uh, Last show we did was 2016. We're actually trying to get a show organized for 2021. Uh, That would be analog, of course. And she's going to come on and and really, that will be a great conversation because she's, her and I have been having dialogues for years, probably half a decade about art and activism. And and that'll be really eye-opening because she she has a lot to uh, contribute. And then I have another, uh, artist friend in, in mind, uh, to come on the show. Um, his name's Daniel. He, he's out of New York city. Uh, he's a, he is a, an artist that came up with the street art movement, uh, who was, uh, friends with a lot of the artists of the day, Keith Herring, uh, Basquiat, uh, quite successful in his own right. Um, considers himself an outsider artist uh, but he is i think the interesting conversation with him is that he's outside the nft market considering coming in and i think that's a nice conversation to have because we want to ultimately try to bring you know the traditional analog artists to the nft space especially in the context of this platform that i was discussing and you know how do we go about convincing somebody like Daniel, who, you know, isn't here, to be here, and what are his what are his challenges in in, in, in thinking about that? I, I just think that's a, a good conversation to have. And so we have those four that we're lining up, uh, exactly which order they're going to come. I'm not 100% sure yet, because, you know, I've, that we have to do this on Saturday morning at 930, because you're in Japan, and I'm in New York, uh, is an interesting time for people to have, you know, to be available. Let's just say. And so, like for instance, um, refinable Nicholas Chan is out of Hong Kong. And I know that like you, my morning is his night. Uh so it you know, that that's what that's what we're up against. But those are some of the things that we have in the works coming forward.
0: Sounds great. Sounds awesome. Okay, uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, do you have anything else? That's we'll save it for next time.
1: Yeah, let's save it for next time. I know today was slightly tangential. Uh, I thought it was really important to get this on, you know, get this documented, this this conversation that started um, with my uh, university peer and then the conversation that I had on Twitter with with ALW. So and I I think now that it's documented here, we can share this and try to develop uh, more interest in it. And we'll see where that goes.
0: Yeah. Get the dialogue going. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for your time. Yep. Thank you for having me.